Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. And we want to thank God for blessing us all over and over again. We want to thank God for the Spiritual Cuts ministry and how he's been bestowing his blessings upon the Spiritual Cuts leaders all over the world and all over the United States and all over these cities and all over the places where the words of eternal life is being manifested. We want to thank God for you being dedicated to what God called us to. This is a very, very important ministry because God is raising up a generation of people to do the works of the ministry of his blessings. God blessed us with his promise and his promise is what he blessed us with is eternal life. God gave us a gift from out of his promise and his promise is his gift and he promised us eternal life. These messages may be hard to swallow or even hard to perceive sometimes but God wants you to know I have chosen you for this generation of time for this dispensation of time to actually spread the gospel of the kingdom of God. Last week, we spoke on things pertaining to parables. I wonder again today how many parables was explained to the people of God and the people of God thought they would receive what God wanted them to have from out of his mystery. So without further ado, we're going to just get right into it because this is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia, and we're going to continue with the promise of our Father podcast, and we're going to continue rightly dividing the word of truth. I want to thank all my spiritual cuts leaders who are doing the work, like I said a minute ago, but I want to thank more so those who are listening and been sharing the gospel of the kingdom with their loved ones. Share this with your loved ones and your children and your children's children. Give it to anybody who want a fresh word around the words from God, because these words of eternal life is heavy to me, and they should be heavy to you from out of Spiritual Cuts Ministry. We want to welcome you back to the Promise of Our Father podcast, and we're going to get right into where we left off last week. We want to come from out of the book of Psalm, the book of Psalm, huh? the book of Psalm 107, verse 20. God sent his word, and he healed them. And he delivered them from their destruction. Let me say that again. God sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from death. Oh, that men, oh, that women would give thanks to God. Huh? Come on. Oh, that men and oh, that women will give thanks and goodness to God. Huh? For his wondrous works to the children of men that he has given, his wonderful works that he has given to the children of women, his wonderful works. Let them who sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. That's heavy to me because so many people are rejoicing and declaring things about God that is not even of God. Hmm? Because they repeat what they hear and they don't recite what they understand. So the thing that they repeat is what they don't understand, but they think they understand what they're repeating. But do, but we here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the Promise of Our Father podcast, we rightly divide the words of truth. 
So today, I just want you to know them that sacrifice, the sacrifices of thanksgiving, we praise and worship God, declaring his work would rejoice. So I want to talk shortly and briefly to you today about the declaration of God's mighty work. The declarations of God's mighty works. Many times and oftentimes, we very seldom hear people praising God outside a church, outside of the synagogue, outside of the cathedral, outside of the tent, outside of the tabernacle, or whatever place you fellowship with one another, or whatever place you attend to go and worship God. There is very little exposure of the word of God or the teaching of Christ on Monday through Saturday. But when Sunday roll around, everyone or the majority of Christians and believers get their praise on, on this particular day. If you would notice when the fall seasons come around, which in, which in the in the United States of America is considered the peoples of America most pastime sporting event season. Huh? College football, the National Football League, which we know as the NFL. Or the professional football league. Plus, also during this time of the fall season, you also have the MLB, which we know as the Major League Baseball, professional baseball playoff. It's actually taking place as we speak. If you would pause parenthetically and see the sport and the excitement that goes on during these sporting events uh, I just previously, previously mentioned how elated and exciting the fans and the supporters of these sporting events get over the game of the sports and how dedicated they are to each of these sports events. Now, let me make this portion of this sermonic presentation clear. There's nothing wrong with attending these sporting events. There's nothing wrong with watching these sporting events. There's nothing wrong with having a favorite team. There's nothing wrong with, clear, with, with cheering and having a favorite team and having a favorite player on that team. This message is not pertaining to any of that because I have a, I have a favorite team in each one of those sporting events uh, I mentioned earlier. Whether it's a college team, a professional football team, a professional, a professional baseball team, or whichever one, a professional basketball team. And for any one of those college teams and professional teams from these sporting events, my favorite team is always and never changes. It is whoever wins. Huh? So the problem people are catching, they don't understand that whoever wins from out of these college teams, huh? from out of these professional teams, from out of this baseball professional team, it doesn't matter if it's a basketball professional team or a college professional team. It doesn't matter to me because I want you to know my team is whoever wins. 
Come on. And I want you to understand my favorite team is always and never changes, huh? Is whoever wins because I want you to know. And I know what you're saying out there. And I know what you're thinking out there. Because people tell it to me all the time. And I hear this quite often. He said, they say, champ, you a bandwagon. And my response to them is, you are right. I am a bandwagon because I pick the team who win. Then I proceed to tell them that at the same time, at least I'm a winner. Come on. And the difference in me and the difference in you is that my team is the team that wins regardless. And I am a lord to winning. And you are a lord to a team that you hope that you may think they may win the game. But for me and for my house, I already know who my team is before the game is over. I already know who my team is before the game stops. Because I have already chose the winning team from the offset. But you've been trained to stick with one team and be loyal to that team or that one particular or that one particular and favorite team that you have. Your chances are 50 50 percent of winning. But my chances are a hundred percent every time. Now, you might think that this concept I go by is silly and unfair, huh, and quite ridiculous to you. But the scriptures teaches me different. Let's go to John. John 15 says, in verse 18, if the world, and Christ teaches us this, if the world hates you, you know that it hates me before it hated you. Let me say that again. If the world or the people don't like how you pick the winning team because you are a winner, remember that you didn't, they didn't like me either because I am a winner. See, Christ is a winner too. See, when Peter in John Matthew 16, he just gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. And he says, this is what the son of man is going to have to suffer to get to the promise. And Peter said, no, you don't have to go there. We're going to I use this knife I've got in my pocket, sir. And, God, and, 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 and Christ says, get behind me, Satan. Okay, because a winner got to go through what it takes to win the game. You can't shun out or you can't back out what you've been called into to become the winner that God called you in. So he says, get behind me, Satan. See, people will stop you from being where you at because people can't perceive how you became what you are. So I'm a winner, not because I like so many teams. I'm a winner because I was born again into a winning team. So my choice of winning is always the same. Why not pick and rejoice, he said, with the winner. Be thankful. 
because you're on the winning team. If you were one of the, and the verse scriptures continue to say, hmm, let's read on. In John 15, verse 19, if you were of the world, or if you were of the people, the world and the people love its own. Come on. Huh? Because you are not of the world, and the people, because I have chose you as Christ, I chose you out of the world and from among the people. Therefore, the people in the world hate you or they don't like you because you are a winner. And because I taught you personally how to win. Mm. Now, if you have a concept of your team, I'm not trying to take that from you because this sermonic presentation is not about what team you choose to be your team. And I'm not going to ever take that from you because you have a choice. But my choice is this. Whoever I'm watching, when I get off here and I leave and I happen to be watching a sporting event, I'm already knowing who's going to be my winning team. Whoever have the most goals at the end of the buzzard when the fourth ending or the fourth quarter or the endings of finish in the ninth. Whether it's baseball, football, basketball, when they're finished, I know I'm going with the winners. Because I've been blown. I'm, I'm almost 60 years old. And I refuse to go on the sideline and start pouting and, and crying like a little sissy and talking about what I could have, should have did huh, to become a woman when I had a choice. See, to become what God made me out of outside of the world's standards. I'm a winner regardless. And you are too. In 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15. So let's finish finishing about what God says about winners. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. And I'm not saying stop watching your sporting events. That has nothing to do with none of this here. Because we all have favorite teams. And we all like watching sports. Some people don't even watch sports and don't even have a favorite team. So this can't be about what I'm trying to get to in the point. So I don't want you to misconstrue what this message is all about. This message is about praising, worshiping God through the declaration of his mighty power. In John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone, including me, loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, or the love of the Father is not in her. What if we take these Sundays, events, and Saturdays, events, and these events that so many people of the world and in the United States of America, they pack the stadiums up. Huh? The seats are packed. What if we was to begin to teach on eternal life and they began to praise God like they praised that football player or that basketball player or that baseball player? What if that, that's my point? If we would decide to worship God in the beauty of holiness the same way Monday through Sundays and Monday, not just on Sundays during our worship experience in the building or tent or tabernacle. And he says, and he continued reading First John chapter 2, verse 16. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all these things is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
So we have to actually understand that these things that we love doing or participating in as a sporting event, although it may not have any meaning to it, it may attach you to something you don't even understand what meaning you're in. Most people attached to an event. Most people fuss, fight, and even throw TVs out. Mr. Boo Boo, back in my days. And some people know who Mr. Boo Boo, Mr. George Favor, senior know who I'm talking about. And God bless his soul. Let me tell you something. I found out when I was a kid, he threw the TV out. I think it was the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Dallas Cowboys was one of them guys was his team. And when they lost. He lost the TV. Come on. Hmm? But I'm not saying that was a bad thing. I'm saying was he tied into that? And if you are tied into these things, it is saying to you that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And all these things is not of the Father, but is of the world. First John, first, first John chapter 2, verse 17, and the world and the people is passing away, and the lust thereof. Huh? But he or she who does the will of God, eh, glory, abides forever. Come on. So winners abides forever if they worship and they does the will of God. But I have a question for my, 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 my hearers and for my believers out there. Do you know the will of what the will of God is? Huh? Do you know what the will of God? Last week I asked you, do you know what the kingdom of the mysteries of the kingdom of God is? The mysteries of the kingdom of God and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven is the same because God is the heaven that the heaven came from out of God. And God is the kingdom because God is the king of kings and the lords of law. So I just want you to understand, do you know the mystery of the kingdom of God? But this week I want to pose another question on you. Do you know the will of God? Huh? When we will explain later, because this is imperative and very important because Christians and believers who know God's will and does the will of God abides forever. Come on. So winners who've been taught so winners who've been learned, so winners who've been taught and learned by God and Christ has the desire to abide forever, huh, with God and Christ. See, that's why I was talking about winners. Because I'm a winner because I abide forever. So why do I have to choose something that won't? I don't have to choose what everybody else chooses because I'm not of the world. Now, when I was a little young man and I was a little young boy and when I was unlearned about the things pertaining to the glory of God and the spirit of him and the promise of our father, oh, yeah, I had a team. Huh? I had a team. But let me tell you something. I put on a Georgia hat because they number one in the country. Huh? They the number one college football team in the country. I got a Kansas City hat because they are the reigning champs of 2022. Now in 2023 in January or February, whenever the Super Bowl is, I'm going to get me a new hat unless it's the same hat of the Kansas City Chiefs. And if Georgia don't win again this year, I'm going to go buy me another hat. 
Not because I like Georgia so much, no Kansas City. It's because I am a winner. And I desire to be on the winning team who is Christ. Let's continue reading. 1 John chapter 17, 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 17. And the world and the people is passing away and the lust of it because he or she who does the will of God abides forever. Verse 18 says, little children. Oh, let me say that again. In verse 18, it says, in other words, Christians and the believers, it is the last hour. Uh, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Antichrist anti, anti means against Christ's teaching. Let's get that straight. When we speak out of your, when you speak out of your mouth from what you've been taught to believe all your life, we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised. Huh? This is a picture of the Antichrist. Come on. Y'all hear what I'm saying, my brothers and sisters? When we actually, when we actually believe in all this stuff that God has promised us, and we began to say we all have to die, and tomorrow's not promised, is a picture of the Antichrist. And we're going to prove this through scriptures as we continue to move. And Christ says that this is a picture of against what I'm teaching, what my father sent me for. See, so therefore, it can't mean the same thing. I can't be with Christ if I'm against him. I can't be with Christ if I'm saying that we all have to die and tomorrow's not. But I can't be with him if the word of God says we shall abide. That they that know the will of God shall abide forever. Because we just read whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is Christ's teaching on his will in John 6, 39 and 40. But I want you to know, but all these Christians, uh, all those Christians and believers and saints of God who don't know the will of God, huh? Huh? Does this in 1 John 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Look what they do. Most people don't believe in this ministry because they can't comprehend the power of the declaration of the mighty God we serve. So they went out, oh, 1 John 2, so they went out from among us because they was not of us. They was not for us. They had been of us because if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But yet, in all, they went out that they might be made manifested in teaching parables, huh? Over the mysteries of the kingdom. He says, if you don't learn this parable, he says, if you don't learn this parable, you have missed all parables that I've been teaching all this time in the last two, three years of my teaching. They went out that they might be manifested that none of them were of us. Come on. This is heavy to me because when I went back to John chapter 6, verse 65, it says, And Christ said to them, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him or her by my Father. And he said, when he said that, from that time on, 
Many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Uh-oh, so now we got scriptures to tie into. They walked from among us because they couldn't handle the teaching of the glory of God. So when you continue to read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, I'm on, but when you continue to read in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, and he says, this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. He said, and let no one cheat you out of your, I'm telling you this here. Hmm? Because I don't want you to let no one cheat you out of your reward. From that time on, in John 6, 6, 6, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Christ said to the 12, not to those who walked off. Huh? He said this to the 12. Do you want to go too? Y'all know how I say that. He says, do you want to go too? But Simon Peter answered and said, whom shall we go? Whosoever moved at the church, huh? Church of the Nuka Nuka, my buddy always tell me. The church Nuka Nuka, whom a church Nuka Nuka we're going to go back to? Huh? You have the words of eternal life, Father. My brother, this ministry is so powerful. Ain't that many can teach on what we teach on. So if you're understanding and grasping, grasping the words of eternal life, you are actually in the place where God called you to be. You are making a difference, not in just other lives, but more importantly, in your own lives. See, because the life that, you, that God has given you is not for somebody else. The life that God has given you is for you to give back to God. I can't give my son life back to God. I can't give my daughter life back to God. I can't give my grandchildren life back to God. Huh? But God gave me my life to give back to him. And he gave you your life to give back to him. This is not an Abraham situation where he said go sacrifice. He didn't even take Abraham's son, Isaac. He was proving the point to show the glory. Hmm? Because he wanted us to realize that he had a lamb already of himself. Because he used Abraham's son as a lamb, he used Abraham's body, his son's body, to, to, to show the picture of the lamb of himself as a body through revelation. So we can't give our family life, our loved one life back to God, but we can give God back our lives because he gave it to us. So let me continue. He says, do you want to go too? And it went out from among us. When we began to understand what Peter was talking about, and they says, from that time, many of his disciples in first John and John chapter six, six, six and John first John chapters uh, two, verse 19. And he says that he, they walked from among us. They went from among Christ because they had a, a fervent desire to go serve the Antichrist and listen to the teaching of, of that. Teach, that teaches them. They want to go back to their old teaching. 
They wanted to go back to whosoever moved church. And I don't mind if that's where you want to go back to, but don't interfere with what God is blessing us with here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the promise of our Father. Move out of the way and let those who hear have an ear. Let them hear what the word of the church or the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because so many times we'll try to disown what we can't respect. So many times we'll try to disown what we can't comprehend. Just because you don't understand it, Joker, don't stop someone else or impede somebody else from understanding. What, because Christ said, no one can come to the Father except through me. And no one can be granted to get to the Father unless the Father granted to them to come. And so many times in these cathedrals and tabernacles and these synagogues and these places of worship out there in the world, they prevent people because they say, I don't know what type of teaching that is. Hmm, I don't know where that boy getting all that stuff from. I don't know where them guys getting that from. The young ladies and young men tell me they can live forever and not die. Well, if we can't, it does sound a lot better than tomorrow's not promised. I can at least say that. So now you got it from me. But I tell you this here, I'm going to declare the declaration of God and his mighty power as long as he give me the power that is, is of him. And I will not let no one cheat me or remove me from my reward. And look what he says in 1 John chapter 20, verse 19. Because they have a firm desire to go and serve the Antichrist and to listen to the teaching that teaches the teachers and the teaching that teaches them we all have to die and tomorrow's not promised and we all won't be here forever. That's why they walked off and went back to their, 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 their watered down teaching or the elementary teaching of Jesus. But in 1 John 20, Excuse me, in 1 John 2, verse 20 says, We who know the will of God, these are they who have been anointed from Christ through the Holy One of God. And you know all things. So we are in a different place. And so many other people, because so many other people are in the place of man of man's teaching, of the parables. So we got to continue to operate where we're at because God is doing something in the declaration of God's mighty works. In Psalms 107, let's get back to the scriptures. And let me read in Psalm 107, 20, it says, God sent his word and healed them. And God delivered them. Let me say that again. And God sent his word and healed them. And God delivered us from death and destruction. And the word destruction means the action or process of causing so much damage to something that is no longer ex exists or cannot be repaired. Many Christians and many believers are so far gone from out of the words of eternal life. Where Peter was saying, Father, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. They are so far damaged. They are so far gone. Huh? That they can't even be repaired. 
I praise God for allowing me, and I praise God for allowing us here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the Promise of Our Father podcast that we are able to receive the words of eternal life because they are the word of God, not of the word of Pastor D, not of the word of Pastor whoever, so I may be, may be teaching on this message or teaching. It ain't about us. It's about him teaching us how to be him as us. So therefore, and furthermore, sometimes you are no longer existing in the place because you are being so, you've been so damaged. You can't, you can't even be repaired. You're beyond the repairing process. You know, some vehicles that been around for a minute, huh? Huh? They don't have parts for them anymore because they, 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 they don't, they don't make them no more. Hmm? So they take them to the junkyard and they got this big old, big old cement thing, this big old piece of iron. When that little small car come under, it smashes it. Hmm? And they renew the iron. But the iron is not the same iron after it's renewed because it's been mixed with the same world standard of all that teaching. So now you make a, a different grade of iron from out of the same iron because you have let somebody cheat you from out of your reward. So destruction means something that is no longer exists or cannot be repaired. It means also the action or the process of killing or being killed. Huh? It's the wanton or the cruel or the violence action of a human life. So in retrospect, God sent his word to heal us from death, violence, and cruelty of a humanity. So humanity being damaged and beyond repair because the words of eternal life is being refused to be taught because they only want to teach you a parable. I was listening to the Victory Channel down here in Atlanta, Georgia, and the brother was uh, uh one of the pastors, the preacher was preaching, and if you could hear, if you could have heard what he was teaching on, I had learned that when I was in elementary school. Come on. They up there giving jokes and telling these things has nothing to do with the edification of the body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19 and 11, and he says that uh, he that ascended, descended, and he that come and he did what he did. And he says, far above the heaven. And he says, and he gave some, not everyone. Pastors, and he gave some bishops, he gave some preachers, he gave some teachers, he gave some apostles, he gave some evangelists, he gave some. My brothers, I want you to realize Christ gave some, and there are not many. Many are called, but a few are chosen. So Christ chose some, not all. Just because you stand behind the pulpit and you deliver a word and read the scriptures to a group of people doesn't make you call. Doesn't make you chosen. It doesn't make you a preacher or a teacher unless Christ anointed you to teach. Let me get out of that. Although the word was made flesh. Hmm? I want you to realize, although the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us to take away the destruction. So God wants us to realize 
God sent his word and healed them. And God delivered them. He delivered us from death. Huh? He delivered us. I want you to know from damage. He delivered us from being non-repaired. He delivered us. Although the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us to take away the destruction or the death or the cruelty huh, of a humanity or cruelty of a human, the violence of death. Yet in all Christians and believers continue to speak the cruelty and the violence in our life a daily, in a daily basis. They continue to teach on the, the violence. They continue. See, violence don't have to appear to be violence to be for it to be violence. If you're talking around and saying we are, huh, and speaking the words, huh, and the things they have been taught, things that they see, and things that they have he that they heard and repeat every day in their own life. Just the totally opposite of what God sent his word to do. He sent his word to heal me and you from death, from destruction. Remember that the scriptures, scriptures teaches us in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit. So when we make a declaration that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised, you are making a declaration to death and destruction. Huh? By to those who do the will of God. But to those who do the will of God shall abide forever. My brothers, this is heaven to me. We have discussed many things over. Many times over that in 1 John 5, 19, 5, verse 9, that let us know, that let us know that the witness of man or the witness of men, the witness of spiritual church leaders are not greater than the witness of God and Christ. So in essence, in essence, the declaration of God's mighty power is the key to eternal life and abiding in the will of God forever. Let's find out what it is, the works of God and the will of God. Because you have to know what the works and the will is. This is the type of teaching that we teach here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the promise of our Father podcast so we can go into the furtherance. Because if you don't know these things about God and Christ, you will just still operating from out of a place where you think tomorrow is not going to come. Huh? You think we all have to go this way. But when you be having the mind, even Christ had the mind of God, and he said that I thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And in second first and in first and first Corinthians chapter two, verse sixteen, it says that uh, who can who can give instructions to God? But he says, maybe I can't. Pastor D can't, but this is what he said after that. But we have the mind of Christ. At least Christ can take us to be presented before God, at least talk to him and have a relationship with him. So at least have the mind of who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You are a God. And you are the children of the most high God. Psalms 82. Psalms verses, Psalm 82, verse 6. See, all these scriptures is important to understand, and that's why we rehearse them in your presence so that you can go back and check them out for yourself. So now I got some ways to go, so let me move forward here. 
Amen. So in John chapter 6, we finna find out the works and the will of God. And we're going to continue to move forward. Because it says that they that abide in the, oh, glory. They that abide in the word of God. They that abide in the will of God. They that knows and does the will of God abide forever. That has to be important. So Christ answered and said to them in John 6, 26. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Question, what is your reason for seeking Christ? I didn't say Jesus because many Christians and believers and saints of God seek Jesus and have to. And I have to be honest and honestly to say huh, that through salvation, they have found him. That's a true statement. The majority of Christians and believers are saved. We can't take that from them, but they. But the thing that I get that gets me, most of them don't know what they are saved from. What are you saved from? God didn't send His Son down forty-two generations to save me and you, so we can die again to be saved again. They was dying before Christ came. So why would he send his son through 42 generations just to save your ranky-danky butt, huh, to be saved again, to die? That's ignorance. So what are you saved from out of the salvation of the Lord Jesus in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your salvation, ain't nothing but that. If you confessed it and you said you are it, so you are saved. God has to be bigger than that. And if he ain't, well, I've been wasting my time for 59 years. And you have too. And you only a few years on this earth. If that's what he called us to, just simply salvation. Even Jesus had to be saved. Come on. He said, shit, man, I don't know why what y'all going to do, daddy. Dad Joseph, I don't know what you're going to do, Mama Mary, but I don't know. I had a prayer last night. I had a vision. I had a vision. I had a vision. This guy down at the river, down at the Jordan, baptizing people. God told me to carry my little butt down there and see what he got to say. And as soon as Jesus went there, Jesus was revealed who he was. Look at the Lamb of God. That was the first time John revealed that to, to Jesus. And it solidified Jesus wanting to be baptized into what God called him as. But if you just baptize into Jesus, you are still in the Jordan. Playing with John. Playing with water. Man, let me get out of there before I lose all my friends. In John 6, 26, Christ answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you, see, you saw the signs. But because you ate of the loaves and were filled, question, what is your reason for seeking Christ? And like I said earlier, you didn't see, I, I didn't say Jesus because many Christians, believers, and saints of God seek Jesus. And I have to be honest, honest I have to honestly say that through salvation they have found him. But not that many have learned things pertaining to the spirit of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, it reads, 
but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard of him and have been taught by him. So the scriptures is teaching us we have to be taught by Christ, not by Jesus. Jesus can't teach you what Christ haven't taught him. And when Christ, had to, when Christ started teaching Jesus, Jesus was no longer in existence because Christ took over the body of Jesus. So Jesus can't really teach you besides what, he, what you have been revealed through Christ, what Jesus' purpose was. But you have not so learned Christ. And if indeed you have learned him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So even Jesus had to be learned and taught by Christ. So what are you seeking for? Because the bread that Christ fed them wasn't from Jesus. It was from God. And God gave it to Christ. And Christ gave it to them in the wilderness. So they were apparently seeking for Jesus and not the Christ. He wouldn't have asked the question, what are you seeking for, if they wasn't seeking for Jesus. Come on. Let's continue reading in John 6, 27. It says, do not labor or work for the food with perishes, but work for the food and labor for the food which endures to everlasting life. Uh-oh. Which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now the Son of Man is Jesus, but the Son of God is Christ. Now, when they came looking for the bread of eternal life, they came looking for Jesus, the Son of Man. Huh? But the Son of Man was disguised in the Son of God's body, the bread that came down in the bodily form in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When Jesus prayed, the windows of heaven opened up and he was born again by the body that was in the body. And ain't nobody but John in chapter 1 witnessed this body. He said, and I did not know him. He knew Jesus for 30 something years. But he didn't know the one that came upon him. He said, I did not know him. Go back to John chapter 1. He said, I don't know. Man, look. Hmm? I didn't know him. So now Jesus' body was disguised in the body of the Son of God huh, through the body that came down as the bread. And that took place in the baptism of Jesus in Luke 3.21. But when scriptures teaches us, but when scriptures teaches us and says, and God the Father has set his seal on him, God was referring to Christ. And the scriptures prove that God was referring to Christ. Let's continue reading in John 6, 28. Then they said to Christ, shall we do that? We, uh, shall, shall, we, uh, shall we do? Shall we do that? That we may work? Or what shall we do? Excuse me. What shall we do that we may continue? The works of God. So they asked Christ a question in the body of Jesus. Christ answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him in whom he has sent. See, Christ was sent, but Jesus was manifested. 
Jesus was manifested in a body. Huh? Jesus was conceived, but Christ was sent in the baptism. So when Christians and believers and spiritual church leaders go around making a declaration, we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised, is a clear understanding that the Antichrist who was sent has stepped in and taken over the minds. The Antichrist has stepped in and taken over the bodies. The Antichrist has stepped in and taken over the hearts where the 18 inches of the Spirit of God abides forever of the children of God because it is impossible for them to believe in the one in whom God has sent because they are saying out of their mouth, huh? And they're saying it loud enough and they're saying it in front of everybody who desires to hear them and believe what they are saying about tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die. But we just read in John 6, 27 that we should work and labor for the food, glory, that came down from heaven. That glory. As the bread of eternal life. And it endures forever in our bodies. Come on. And God sent his words to heal us. Come on. Man, man, man. He sent his word to heal us from death, cruelty, violence, destruction. Huh? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And they that eat the fruit of death love it. And they that eat the fruit of eternal life love the fruit of life forever. The declaration of God's words is mighty and powerful, my brother. So I, I want you to understand that I'm getting to this place where I'm almost done, but I want you to realize that people are actually saying something because they don't understand the entire. You got to be careful of the anti. Is anybody understanding the anti? Because the anti is so important where you don't know who you're against until you're with the one that is not tied against what he's teaching. And if you're walking around saying that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised, you're the, in the group of the ants. You're the one walked off. Damn. And they worship among themselves, trying to manifest themselves, these whosoever move churches. Oh, I got to get out of that. I ain't going to have no more friends. But let me tell you something. I don't need no more friends. All I need is the Spirit of God to continue to let me roll with him. Because in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, we went over this last week, and it said, Look all you sports fans out there who are among the nations, who are in the United States of America, and who are in all the different countries, and, 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 and you are utterly astonished. He says, For me, as, I, as your God, I will work a work 
huh? in your days, which you would not believe, though it would told you the declaration of God and his mighty power. God is so powerful. He says, my work, if you eat, he says, work for the food. But here we still walk around talking about tomorrow ain't promised and we all have to die because that's what they've been told us for all these years. And we refuse to start. Stop. You got to start somewhere to get to where you're going, because the fact of the matter that what you've been ain't where you're going, because if that's where you want to go, you just stay where you've been. But if you want something to change and God requires for it to come to pass, you have to actually operate in a place where you're going to feel uncomfortable. This little watered down uncomfortable this comfortable ministry that these people been going to, man, I ain't gonna have nobody to talk to you in a minute, but I'm telling you the truth, and the truth should set you free. If you don't like it, I'm sorry for you. I just go in and let you know how I feel. Look among the nation. Be astonished. God says, I'm a worker work in your alien if it was declared to you. I'm coming to you today and declaring the works of God. And it says, the work and the labor for the food that endures the everlasting life because God is the FDA of this food. God is the CEO of this food and drug administration of the bread of eternal life because God has set his seal on the bread. High glory. Man, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you still eating a fruit from, the, from a dead man. Ain't that something? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Still eating a fruit from a dead man. Huh? And talking about, huh, tomorrow ain't promise. It ain't. If that's where your heart is, then that's the fruit you've been eating. If you've been laboring for death, he said it won't endure forever. I promise you that. Let's look into his will since we know now his works. In John, same chapter 6, 38, he says, Christ says, For I have come down from heaven, huh? not to do my own will, but the will of him who is God who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise him or her up on the last day. This is heavy, brothers, because now we have to explain the last day. The last day from out of time back into eternity is the last day. Because Adam, when he sinned and his eyes was open in Genesis 3.10 and he was naked, he left from out of eternity into time. That was his last day. Come on. So Christ came as the bread of eternal life to bring us back into eternity from out of time. That is the last day. Come on. Let's continue reading in John 6, 40. 
he says, Christ teaches, says, and this is the will of the Father whom sent me. Remember, I said in the scriptures earlier, it says that whoever has, whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now we finna explain the will. We explain the works because we should worship God in, in the beauty of holiness. But the will of God ties into his work. So let's find out what the will is. Huh? In John 6, 40, it says, and this is the will of the Father who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and he will raise them up in the last day. Come on. So the last day is actually was our first day. And the first day is actually our last day. But the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So now God got it all together. And what he's going to do, he said, first you went into time, but the last you shall be first because the time shall turn into eternity. Huh? So now, my brothers, the will of God to abide forever is to live forever and not die and declare his word. And get out of your mouth that nasty taste of speaking. We all have to die and tomorrow's not promised. Maybe that's what you desire and want. But for me and my house here at 4610 Marlsbrook Circle, we are going to serve God all the days of our life. Huh? So in retrospect, God's will is everlasting, everlasting life. So in retrospect, God's work is everlasting life. And they that does the will of God, and they that eats that, and they that, and they that do the works of the of the Father. What are the works that you want to? He says, "They that do the works of the Father shall endure forever." Yeah, I got it. But man, I'm almost about to jump out of the seat that I'm sitting in. Y'all gotta watch out, y'all. Now, honey, got all fired up. Come on. And they that does the will of God shall glory. Man, I learned all these entities of who God was as I came through not understanding where God was taking me. And God taught me how to do precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Who will believe in the message of eternal life? Who will he get to explain and deliver the message of eternal life? Who will he get to understand the message of eternal life? Glory be to God. Huh? Look at our granddaughters. Look at our grandsons. Look at our children, our sons and daughters. This is the generation the step from out of time into eternity because you are a winner. Christ has all winners on his team. If you're part of the spiritual cuts ministry and the problems of our father, you are on a winning team. Hmm? We don't care if you're short, small, little, big, tall, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever size or makeup you are, and you have the spirit of him, and you have learned Christ, and you have learned the spirit of God, you are on a winning team.
<laughs> because God is going to take you from out of time and step you into it because we are in the last hour because the anti is against what Christ come to do in the last hour. Hey, you are a winner. The declaration of God's mighty power in closing. Let's go to 102 Psalms. 102. For God shall build up Zion. Verse 16. Psalms 102, verse 16. And he shall appear in glory, in his glory. So those who go, who step from out of time into eternity is going to do what we explained last week in Luke chapter 9 and in Matthew 16 and 17 where they saw his glory. He took the body of Jesus, transformed it into God's body so that the glory could be with Moses and Elijah in glory so he can show Christ how glory looked when it came. And now he's saying God shall build up Zion. God shall build up the church of God. God shall build up whosoever move churches out there. And he says he shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayers of the destitute. He shall regard the prayers of those who don't have the basic necessities of eternal life. He says, but if you pray to him today, right now, for eternal life and ask God for everlasting life, the will of God. He said, if you ask me for the works of God, everlasting life, God would not despise to denounce your prayer because he said, I would answer the prayers of my saints. This prayer of yours will be for generations to come. So this prayer is not just for a one-time thing. It's for your generation to come. That you are a people of God. That you've been created in his image. And the image of God, you are a male and a female. 23 X chromosomes and 23 Y chromosomes as a male and a female that he created on the sixth day from out of his spirit, from a body hey, that was made without hands. Why and how we know this. Because God looked down from his height of his sanctuary from the heavens and viewed the entire earth. Yay! To hear the groaning of his people who was in prison. To release them, to release us from the appointment of death. All this is in Psalms 102, 20, 21, 22. Hey, glory. He come all the way. He, he's speaking from out of heaven. Look what this man is doing for us. Look what our father is doing for us. Look what God is doing for us. Not just this man. This man is our God. He's viewing from heaven right now. And he's releasing us from death. People are groaning for death. And he says, I'm releasing you. You just pray and ask for forgiveness and ask for eternal life. He says, I release you from the appointment of death. You've been making an appointment for death for years, young man. You've been making an appointment for death for years, young lady, because your mama taught you how to make an appointment. Your daddy 
taught you how to make an appointment. Your brothers and sisters taught you how to make an appointment. Your family members, loved ones, pastors and preachers taught you how to make an appointment for death. But he said, I come to release you so that we can declare the name of God in the earth Monday through Sundays. Not just on the particular day of Sunday where they sit there and say they went to church and, oh, we had a good time. And pastor preached this here and, oh, you should have heard him. You should have heard how he, oh, girl, you should have been at a choir. You should have saw the choir. You should have saw, oh, my God. Oh, I can't wait to go back next week. Girl, you heard Elevation, Elevation, you heard that? Oh, them guys can play. Come on, pastor preached that word from out of Samuel. Come on. David and the Goliath, God, he talk, he, all this stuff has nothing compared to what God is asking his sons and daughters to do. He said, I come to release you from out of all that stuff you be talking about tomorrow is not promised. Hmm? So that we can declare the name of God in the earth Monday through Sunday. Huh? And all the days of our eternal life so that when we make this transition from out of time back into eternity, we're going to see God in his glory forever. With the fruit of our lips, we praise you, God. With the fruit of our tongue, we praise you, God. With the fruit of our mouth, we praise you, Father. Come on. So that men, so that women, so that Christians, so that believers, so that the saints of God and the spiritual church leaders can give thanks to God for his goodness and his mercy and for his wonderful works. Because the works of his wonder is eternal life, the everlasting bread, the FDA, the CEO. Huh? Hey, the Food and Drug Administration of the bread of eternal life is God. Huh? For his children and the children of men and the children of God and the children's children and the generation to come and the generation is now and the generation that we are in. He says, I am the CEO and I set my seal on the bread all the days of our life. We shall abide forever. Huh? Stepping from out of time into eternity, and we will continue to give God a sacrifice of praise and to can God works with rejoicing forever like we do our favorite football team, like we do for our favorite professional uh, football baseball team, like we do for our favorite college team, like we do for our favorite team that wins. Praise God forever because his love and his kindness endures forever. The declaration of God, mighty power, huh? Changing us from eternity, changing us from time into eternity. And this is Pastor D. Wash, high glory. Coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. I glory be to God. And I just want to thank God for continuation of loving us the way he do. Father, we thank you. 
and we praise your holy name. And in these last days, and in this last hour, we're waiting on our transition. For our Romans chapter 8, verse 23, we're waiting on the, re the redemption of our body, stepping from out of time into eternity. He's going to raise us up. But then, oh, these are those who does the will of God. These are those who actually know the works of the everlasting bread. This is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. We want to thank God for the blessings of the ministry of Promise of Our Father podcast and the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and all our leaders out there. Continue to do the work of the ministry and may God bless you and your family forever. Amen.